Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is Inside Columbia with Fred Berry. Ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. Good morning and welcome to the Inside Columbia Show. I am Fred Perry, your host. This week, we welcome John Glasscock, City Manager of Columbia, into the studio. John officially became the City Manager last month, uh, but he was hired permanently for the job last summer. Uh, John is a native of Boone County, has worked for the city in various capacities since 2003. Uh, before that, John worked for MoDOT for 18 years as an engineer. So welcome to the show, John. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Fred. It's good to be here. I um, Lots of things to talk about uh, this week. In the news this week, uh, the city, uh, one of the issues that, that uh, came up was uh, regarding sort of the financial records associated with water and light. Uh, sometimes these stories are, are blown out of proportion. Sometimes they're just misunderstood. Most journals and majors don't take finance classes, and so it's it's hard for journalists to report on a story. But give us sort of the the um, uh, in a nutshell, what was the situation with the three million dollars in a water and light department fund that uh, reportedly nobody knew about? Well. We didn't know about it. First of all, I will correct you on that. And I think it was. No, two, it wasn't me. I'm I just reporting was, what I heard. Yeah. The latest was two million. So right. Okay. Anyway, uh, so we get a lot of funds at the city uh, oh, yeah. uh, through uh, whether that be uh, the bill you pay for your monthly bill for utilities. Uh, if you're building a new house, you have connection fees that you pay, uh, pertinence charges, and the fund that we're talking about today is that one where you are connection fees and pertinence charges. The old term was tap fees when you tap the line uh-huh. you, that was your entrance payment yeah and so we've been doing it a certain way by restricting funds i think since 2006 uh, we were re- restricting those funds uh, when they came in so they weren't uh, appropriated as we like to call it mm-hmm. so that wasn't attached to any project they came in they went into that fund and it was restricted until we moved them out of that into a project until a, a need could be identified need, for those funds. Right. Okay. And so, we, yeah. you know, we call those enterprise funds. Right. And so we can use them basically for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were doing it that way for since 2006. 2014 comes along. We have some turnover. And, and, and so uh, the process was, you know, basically lost. Uh, the new person come in didn't realize this was what was going on. Uh, 2018 comes along. I get a new uh, person in utilities that, and and what I'm talking about, the person moved along was in accounting. It was uh-huh. in the finance department. Sure. So in utilities, uh, when I got a new uh, utilities uh, rates analyst is what we used to call them, but they're now they're a deputy director for uh, rates and fiscal responsibility. And so uh, she comes in, notices this. Have, we haven't been using this uh, account for four or five years. Right. Ask the question. What's this for? Why are we restricting these funds? And so she goes back to the finance department and the person in there says, you know, I don't know why they're restricted. And so, you know, it's 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 one of those things that we they weren't lost. They were still there. We didn't lose them. Yeah, uh, they were in an account uh, where they accounted for. Sure. We, I mean, it's in it's in a budget document. Right. It's in everything. And so they're not misused. It's just that they weren't being used. And so that that 
fund built up to $2 million. I think it was uh, going in about a half a million year cycle. Uh, uh-huh. And so it's a revenue. Yeah. And so we looked through that. We reported it out to the uh, Water Light Advisory Board at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we weren't trying to hide it. We were just trying to make sure everything was transparent. Sure. So we can't, that was in... I want to say last summer, uh, I believe it was in June or July, where we reported to the uh, fine, uh, Water and Light Advisory Board. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it happens. I'll yeah. just, I'm, I'm, I, there's no excuses for it, uh, but it, it's due to some of the turnover that we had in, in two departments that have to work together all the time. And, and you know, and there's been a lot of it, turnover. A lot yeah. of turnover. Yeah. I mean, you, as it, you know, at the county, yeah. uh, you, you're we're a lot younger than we used to be. That's right. And institutional knowledge is really has a premium, you right, know, and right. it's uh, if you lose somebody that has a lot of institutional knowledge, you you uh, things fall through the cracks, but but you know, if someone were to pick up one of the city's budget books, you know, which is sometimes as big as 4 inches thick, um 700 pages. 700 pages, is that right? So would would that line uh, would that money have been uh represented somewhere in that financial document? Would would there have been a reference to a reserve fund or you know, I don't know exactly okay. where it would be in the document. I don't think it's called uh, a restricted account in the mm-hmm. document uh, because we don't get into that granular detail in a budget that, that we get into yeah. when, when we're putting it all right. together. And so the budget document is more of a summary of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so would council have seen it? You know, probably not. But uh, auditor probably wouldn't have caught it either because, you know, unless there was a documented process for it, yeah, you know, it would be hard to catch. And, and but but I luckily I had people that came from finance into this position yeah. that knew a lot about it. Yeah. And, and when when they saw that was restricted, they started asking questions. Right. And uh, you know, when you look at the city's infrastructure, there's no shortage of uh, places where that money could go. Is oh, that correct? Absolutely. I absolutely. mean, specifically in water and light, you've got a lot of things right. that. Uh, uh, you need to keep up with. So, right. Right. Um, you know, we're on probably a hundred year plan when you talk about water, you know, you, right. you have to, you know, you look at how far you go with replacement. And so it probably takes 80 to a hundred years to get through everything. Yeah. So that's, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, you have been officially city manager since, uh, January 3rd or 4th. Is that right? When, when are you sworn in? Uh, I was sworn in, uh, the, the day after the holiday. Okay. So. Whatever, right. I January think it was 2nd. second. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh, are you still on your honeymoon, or is that uh, is that long gone? You know, I I never had a honeymoon <laughs> to be honest about it. Uh, uh, everybody thinks you are, but you know, I, if you've been there seventeen years like I have, yeah, um, you know what to do, and, and you just do it. And you know, my job is to make everything transparent, make everything uh, the citizens comfortable with what government's doing, what mm-hmm. where we're headed. And, you know, um, I'm willing to listen to anything. Yeah. When citizens talk about uh, the city manager and evaluate you on your first few months in office, one of the things they often point to is your hiring of uh, Jeff Jones as Columbia's police chief. Talk a little bit about that hire and and sort of what have you seen in Jeff since he became police chief? You know, one of the things that you struggle with when you hire any department head or any high-level city um, employee is do you really need to go outside to change something? Mm-hmm. And and when I uh, assumed the position and when uh, uh, Mr. Burton resigned, uh, I started in my head formulating how I wanted to process that. I was lucky to have Jill Schlute at the time to step right in for that month that we, we were trying to figure out where we were going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I interviewed the ones that wanted to be the interim chief. And so, you know, that was the process that I chose and Jeff 
you know, we've selected him and put him in there, I believe, in February of last year. And so when we got down and I was selected as the city manager, then it was easy for me. I'll, I'll tell you, Jeff Jones was probably the easiest selection that I've ever had to do in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. because what better thing of a six-month trial and to see his work and to see him and the citizens come together uh, like you've never seen before, um, it was easy. Yeah. It was easy to put him in without an interview, without a process, without looking for a nationwide police chief. Was there probably candidates that would qualify? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But there, he was the right person at the right time because he had built those bridges and the people trusted him, uh, the I- individual groups, uh, the citizens themselves. Everybody loved him, and I got no uh, – Bad comments about yeah. Jeff Jones. So he was a known quantity, not only to you, but also to the community. Correct. And, you know, I think that sometimes the elephant in the room is is the tension that has existed between the police chief and uh, members of the African-American community. But it seems like Jeff has made some pretty good headway in terms of building relationships and, and establishing some trust. Uh, have you seen that type of activity before? Well, it, you know, I'll, I'll just... You know, as they hired me as city manager, one of my things that I said is about building relationships. And, you know, when I sat down and started talking to Jeff to talk about the permanent job, that's one of the things that I stressed to him. You have to be out, as with the fire chief, in the public's eye talking to everyone. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't just say, well, they're, you know, they're, they're an activist. I don't want to deal with them. You have to deal with everyone, whether they're your friend, your enemy, whoever it is. You want to be talking to them because the worst thing you can do is ignore someone. Yeah, yeah. I think of special note is the relationship that has developed between Boone County Sheriff Dwayne Carey and Jeff. Uh, the two of them seem to be on the same page. There's a very healthy relationship there. The communication uh, seems to be free-flowing. Uh, they have joined forces and, and made additional investments in the Major Crimes Task Force. And, and um, you know, and this is all at a time when there seems like we have a lot of gun activity. Uh, we have a lot of drug activity. Uh, the Boone County prosecutor now has 31 murder cases that uh, are open. Um, this is a tough time to be in law enforcement. It is. And you know what? There's nothing better than having everybody working on the same page. Yeah. You, you talk about that, that task force that's come together with ATF and the federal and the sheriff's office mm-hmm. in, in the city. Police, NMU. Yeah. NMU. I yeah. mean, I mean, what better way to, to approach it than, than holistically? And so, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff and the sheriff have, have struck up a great relationship, as Chief Swan as well at NMU. Mm-hmm. They all, I think they, they get together quite often just to talk about things, and they help each other. You know, we sent, uh, I've seen part of the SWAT team out to help with that uh, this weekend. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> that probably wouldn't have happened a, f- a few years back. Yeah. Of course, there was a murder-suicide on Monday of this week, and, and um, uh, the sheriff mentioned that uh, CPD had been a huge help in, in that particular. There was a murder-suicide and, and arson, and so, um, you know, it, it was outside the city limits, but not that far outside the city limits, so there, there has to be some kind of collaboration, and it looks like the, those folks have all figured that out, which I think as citizens we should be very grateful for. And, and you know, I'll just use Jeff City as an example. When they had the tornado that went through, we sent the fire department, we sent the police department, we yeah. sent the street division down to help them. I mean, and that's what it's all about, helping your neighbors and helping people that, that live in the region uh, to get through a tough time. Yeah, yeah. It's um, So when we look at uh, some of the things that are changing uh, in our city, and I, I want to kind of jump from Jeff Jones into this uh, Molly Bowden uh, Neighborhood Policing Center. T- talk a little bit about that. What, what will that look like? Of course, Molly Bowden, 
was um, killed while on active duty back in 2005, I believe. Um, the center's being named for her. Where will that be located? Or what does that look like? I believe it's up on, uh, on uh, I think it used to be called International Drive. I can't remember the exact name, but it's it's up in that north uh, 763 area, Range Line Street up in that area, mm-hmm. uh, up in uh, the Auburn Hills, I think it's called today yeah. area. So it's going to be a neighborhood police station. We have a neighborhood room, I believe, in there that could be used by the neighborhood. And mm-hmm. so uh, that'll be uh, an, a place where there'll be a big presence in, in police ac- activity, people going in and out of there all the time. So hopefully that you'll see the same thing as we move uh, move into that, something we will do in the south part of town as well, because right now we only have one police station that's in in right in the central city. Right. And so it takes a long time to get to the periphery of the city, which is about 65 square miles. So you will have people assigned there full time. Is that, So it's not yes. going to be just a place where, where cops can go and fill out their reports. This is going to be an active operating police station. Right. And this, I believe, is probably what I think is the first phase. We also have other buildings that we're looking at putting out there as well, mm-hmm. which is, I think, maybe an evidence room, a place to to work on vehicles maybe mm-hmm. and so you know it's going to be a presence uh, for a long time to be up there is this an existing building that you're taking over no it's it's a brand new building it's, okay. a, it's, it's a brand new lot we that we purchased up in that area uh and it was i think just north of the new the Mosier's um grocery store grocery store yeah okay so this is very intentional i mean yep. this is something that some landlord didn't call and say hey you can use this office if you want to this is part of a plan this is a plan okay absolutely yeah absolutely. interesting yeah, you know, it's it's interesting the the amount of crime in that area, and it's been that way for a few years. Uh, do you, you know, not being a law enforcement person yourself, but what what what's driving the crime in that area? You know, you hear Bodie Lane, you hear a lot of these street names, these subdivisions uh, that are constantly requiring police attention. What what's going on? Well, I think it's probably a lot of a, a lot of things. It's um, multifamily residential in that area mm-hmm. so so you know transient type people moving in and out all mm-hmm. the time uh, and so sometimes you know as we build newer things downtown where the students are moving uh, some of those uh, uh, apartment complexes have a hard time getting renters and so they, they're they're cheaper and so it's a, it's a more affordable place to live and so you see uh, some things like that move in when you when you start having those types of situations i'm not yeah. saying that's what's happened but it appears, you know, that's where one of those areas that we defined in the last strategic plan, we concentrated uh, the community outreach unit on. Right. So up in that area, uh, that's where that started. And that's why that uh, specific site was so appealing to us because it fit into that area. Mm-hmm. You hear the, the police chief and the, the sheriff both mention that uh, drugs seems to be the common denominator in, in a lot of the criminal activity that takes place in our community. Um what is there anything that we can do as a community other than just pushing drugs out of the community or pushing the drug dealers out of the community? Um, what what is the, typically the strategy for something like this? I think for us is is probably getting more uh, cops on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, add, adding cops to to the to the to our force. Uh, maybe having a more of a presence, you know, where we know that type of activity is happening, mm-hmm. and so they they don't they don't like to see you in the area. So uh, that's one of the things that I would tell you that that we're looking at trying to uh, help with enforcement. Yeah. When we are visiting with John Glasscock, city manager of Columbia, when we come back from this break, uh, we're going to jump into a conversation about uh, sort of the financial status of the city right now and and what budgeting for 2021 will look like. And we'll also talk about uh, improving communication between the citizens and the city. Uh, All of that coming up on the Inside Columbia show on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. 
And welcome back to the Inside Columbia Show. Fred Perry, your host today. We are visiting with Columbia John Glasscock. And uh, we have been talking about uh, lots of things uh, that have been in the news recently. Uh, we just recently talked about crime in Columbia. But we're going to shift gears for a second here and talk a little bit about finances because, you know, the city is very much like the county. Um, and we are both suffering from a significant uh, decrease in uh, sales tax revenues. If you look at, uh, for the county's portion alone, if you look at sales tax revenues for that are projected for 2020 versus what we had in 2017, it's a $2.1 million difference. I mean, it's a big chunk of change. Um, that's a lot of cops that you could hire. It's a lot of cops. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the financial constraints. What what are the trends that you're noticing that, that might uh, grab your attention? Well, the one that really grabbed my attention is the one where they talk about what was spent year to year from 18 to 19 at uh, in the holiday season and so you know as as i listen to the numbers come in uh spending online was up like 19 percent from last from 18 to 19 right. on online right so you take that you figure that's not coming to your area and so you're going to be down somewhat and so mm -hmm. that that's the thing that really i look at that it worries me a lot yeah in your state of the city address last summer, one of the things that, or maybe that was last fall, but one of the things that you addressed was some of the possible uh, options for offsetting this decrease in revenue. And you threw several things out there. Um, and I don't know if those were trial balloons or if you if you got the feedback you were hoping to get on that. And, and have you thought about what you need to do in terms of, uh, I mean, you can cut expenses. Um, you know, it, it's sometimes uh, that's much harder to do. You really have no control over revenue uh, unless you do something very drastic. Right. The, the one thing that I would tell you that probably saves me on the budget is the turnover factor that we have today. The Vacant positions? The economy's great. Yeah. You know, it's hard to keep positions filled. Yeah. We're running at over 10% vacant rate all year long. And yeah. so, you know, you're not paying that salary out. So, you, you know, but if you did, you would really have a problem because uh, your payroll is going to eat up any, any, thing that you have because yeah. the sales tax is just not coming in to cover it right but since you have 10 percent open you're actually not spending everything that you budgeted and yeah. that's what's saving us right now yeah have you looked at the possibility of a, of a property tax increase i haven't I, what you know i've talked to council um i wouldn't say extensively but we brought it up from time to time the use tax piece mm -hmm. that i know the state's dealing with right yeah. now down at jeff city uh, that's the one thing that i'd say would you need to start with it's just to close that i call it a loophole in the system yeah how would you describe that is that hopeful um it's, it's always hopeful uh, it's always <laughs> hopeful uh but we could go ahead and pass it the the issue is is if they pass something will they make you go back and repass yeah. it you know so you do you want to get ahead of them or you want to take that risk or not and so you know right now i think we're just kind of waiting and seeing what they're going to put forth if they're going to put forth anything but uh, we're going to have to do something, whether that's the use tax or a property tax or a fire tax. I, you know, I don't know. You talked once about a fuel tax. But a fuel tax, you know, just, you're allowed to do that as a city. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I so, didn't didn't realize that. What kind of money would that generate, uh, just adding a fuel tax? You know, it, it's hard to, to know because mm -hmm. uh, MoDOT collects theirs at, at the, I think it's called the jobber at the, at the, at the hub mm -hmm. where they sell fuel. And so it's not at the local 
you know, retail sales. We'd have to probably collect ours at the retails, which they're not ready. They're not set up to do that. No. So, but other cities do it. I and mean, so yeah. it's been done in, in Missouri. So, you know, I looked at it, it would probably generate a couple of million dollars probably for us annually. Mm-hmm. And, and that would help us with public safety. Yeah. You know, you look at uh, the youth tax, and I think one of the, the complications is that state statute right now requires you to use a certain type of ballot language, which I think we found out the last time was very confusing for a lot of people. And and if there are a way to simplify the ballot language and just say what it is uh, versus the, the convoluted wording that we have right now, I think citizens would be a little bit more understanding and be willing to to support something like that. You know, for me, it's about leveling the playing field between the brick and mortar retailers that support so much in our community uh, and the online retailers. What's interesting to me is that the online retailers are willing to pay it. Right. You know, Amazon, which accounts for, you know, 60 percent of online sales, says, hey, we're happy to pay it. You know, just you got to have the use tax on your books. And, and as soon as you do, we'll pay it. So, you know, I, I'm not sure how we get there. You know, and it's it's sort of uh, I'm I don't know that I have the energy to promote it right now, and so it's kind of a uh, you know we're we're going to have to figure this out. And I, I think that you look at budgets, and the the things that people tend to want most are law enforcement and good roads and infrastructure. And uh, I tell you what, uh, the funds that are that are left over for those types of things are not very much. No, nope. you know, it's right. a real struggle. Right then, and you brought up a good point. I talked to an online uh, seller here and that does multi-million dollar sales and they tell me that they're already doing it in other states right. you know they they got the software all you gotta do is plug in the zip code and away you go it just starts collecting it and yeah. so there, there's nothing that they can't do it's not rocket science soft, right yeah. any, anymore it's not yeah. that difficult well the fact that every surrounding county all but one contiguous county Boone county already has a use tax on the books should tell you something so we're just we're leaving money on the table yeah. and the difficult thing probably for us is we both would have to go to the voters to do it. So if we do it at the same time, they got to vote twice to say yeah. yes twice, once yeah. to the city and once to the county. Yeah. So, you know, that that would be difficult, you know, because they're going to feel like they're double taxed. Sure. So you got to get that education out there. Yeah. And that's tough, you know, because yeah. uh, the way that local media has changed, uh, it's just not it's not as easy to communicate with people as it once was. And so uh, hard to tell the story. You know, the, the local newspapers don't have the coverage of city council meetings and county commission meetings and hospital board meetings that they once had. And so. Uh, I think a lot of citizens are left in the dark, which is which is unfortunate. And it, it is. Yeah, it is one of the reasons we have this show. Um, when you look at um, your strategic plan, you're you're looking at um, re- revisiting the strate- strategic plan for the first time in five years. Um, what's what's going to change about the 2020 strategic plan, and why why is the strategic plan even necessary? Well, for us, it it sets the direction, uh, and if you do it right, your budget should follow that uh the one thing that i would tell you is is the last strategic plan was difficult because we didn't ever budget toward it and so mm-hmm. we've changed the some of the wording uh on the categories and the priorities uh, you know one of the categories i know that we were looking at is high performance government you know so so what is that you mm-hmm. know and, and so we're having to, to deal with that but to me it's about making sure the dollars are spent well, make sure we're efficient, make sure the citizens understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so that's, that's one of the categories that that's going to change and, and we're going to that's reflect that through the budget. Yeah. As you travel around and I don't know if you've had a chance to go to the uh, municipal league or uh, the, the association of cities, whatever they call it, but you know, it's, we're very blessed in Columbia and Boone County. We really have a lot of amenities that are, that are dedicated towards quality of life. 
whether it's parks and recreation or, or some of the trails or just some of the other, you know, uh, amenities like libraries and schools and so forth that really aren't city funded, but they're, but they are very important amenities. Um, most cities really struggle just to provide the basic, uh, services, whether it's police and fire protection or infrastructure. Uh, we're pretty blessed, uh, in the grand scheme of things. We're, we are very blessed. In fact, you know, I've, I've hired two new, uh, one, one deputy city manager and one uh, department head finance director who come from other areas. And the first thing out of, out of their mouth says, you all have so much that, you know, to deal with and, and, and are resource rich you know people come here for the resources that we have and uh their their eyes are wide open they just love it here they love being here they love living here and so you know what i would tell you is the citizens demand it though fred and and so you know you better deliver it or they're going to ask you why that you're not continuing it on and so you know we've responded to that and 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 i'll just be honest the city has is is good at responding to citizen requests Mm -hmm. but uh, at some point, there's going to be some tough choices to yep, make. Yep, we're, and that's that's what I tried to say in the state of the city. Yeah. We're going to have to decide how we want to pay for all this because yeah. uh, the day's coming where we can't. Yeah. Right right now, um, it's a good economy. Uh, we're moving in the right direction, you know, but I will tell you the workforce side of it is, is difficult to keep up with. Yeah. One of your new hires uh, this past year was uh, your assistant city manager who came from Ferguson, Missouri. And, of course, Ferguson – uh, has uh, been on the news uh, more than its fair share in, in recent years. But, um, yeah, and I think when a lot of us heard that you had hired someone from Ferguson, we're like going, wow, uh, that, what's that got to do with Columbia, Missouri? So talk about that hire and talk about, uh, what is this gentleman bringing from Ferguson? What that perspective to his new position here in Columbia that, that will, will help change things? And it, for me, it wasn't about Ferguson, mm-hmm. it was about, his qualities and his um, education and his experiences mm-hmm. and so he's been a city manager in other cities such as ferguson mm-hmm. uh, i believe also he was in berkeley as a city manager mm-hmm. he was in a town in, in in georgia as a city manager and he's accredited through what they call international city manager association mm-hmm. which is a big deal yeah when you talk about city management he's he's it's an it's a credential that I don't own, mm-hmm. you know, because I've never been a city manager until I got here to Columbia. Yeah. So you know, it was about his credentials more than anything. Did I talk to him about Ferguson? Sure. You know, he he came in after all the uh, things the government put on Ferguson that they had to do. So he right. had to implement all that. Yeah. That was a big thing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't about the in, the thing that happened there. It was about what did he do to make sure the federal guidelines were all met mm-hmm. and so you know he had to do that so that's what stood out to me you know you just don't get that every day coming your door yeah that's right um so when you look at um sort of what it takes to be an effective manager here in columbia what are some of the traits that you're looking for most what what's what's critical in terms of just uh skills and personality traits that you're looking for in your leadership team i think thick skin to start with because you're going to get hammered pretty <laughs> That's good. A good one you know, yeah you're going you need to be able to take it and uh, i think decisive decision making uh you know you, you you're going to get bombarded from all sides wh- whether it's the left the right the center uh the kids uh, the university whatever it is you're going to be bombarded from all sides and so you got to weigh all that out and you got to be able to make a decision is that unique to columbia no i would probably say not i okay. you know it, but but i'm going to say columbia has a lot more active community than most cities Mm -hmm. you know you don't have a 
council meeting that goes till midnight, one in the morning, and not have an active community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, if people didn't, you know, if you were somewhere else, they probably go to eight o'clock. Yeah, because there's just no way there to talk, and you get to vote on it and not have a lot of discussion. Well, in Columbia, we have a lot of discussion. Yeah, uh, about things, and and that's good and healthy for for a number of reasons. But I, I would just tell you, you know, when I want strong leadership. I want somebody that's going to tell me, John, you're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want yes people. I don't want somebody that, you know, to say, yeah, that's it, that's it. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're in trouble. Yeah. you got to have somebody that tells you the truth all the time. Yeah. You know, the question I want to ask you is what keeps you up at night? But, I, but I'm going to change it because I'm sure you'll probably tell me that nothing keeps you up at night. Uh, <laughs> you keep me up at night. That's <laughs> right. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, that's a, oh, I can wear that with pride. Um, what? What is it? What are you looking at on the horizon that's really got your attention? What's what's something that you really feel like, as a city, your team needs to be keeping a very close eye on? What? Well, it's all about providing the city of Columbia quality services. Uh, it's all about making good decisions. Mm-hmm. It's all about, for me, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm up there, so I'm not going to be here all that long. So I want to mm-hmm. leave it better than I found it. Yeah. And so that means I, you know, I got to get hire good department heads that are going to carry on what we get started. And it, and and to be honest, uh, what council is directing us to do, they mm-hmm. set the policies, so we have to implement the policies. That's the big thing about Columbia, is it's it's the council that sets all the policies. Mm-hmm. We, we're just implementers. Yeah. And that's and so if I'm implementing everything that they want, we should have a good government. On a scale of one to ten, how how significant is the crime problem in Columbia? Um, you know, you hear a lot about it. I will tell you, it's uh, you know, it's it's about drugs. Mm-hmm. It's about probably d- domestic yeah. problems mm-hmm. uh, more than anything. It's yeah. not random. What about infrastructure? Know? How um, how how on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you about infrastructure? Not too much. You know, we're pretty well funded except in street department. Yeah. Uh, uh, potholes are a big deal. Yeah. Uh, roads are a big deal. Sewers, utilities of that nature that are funded through rates, you know, within the city, we're funded pretty well. And citizens have been very good to us. Yeah. We are visiting with John Glasscock, who is the city manager of Columbia. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about communication with the citizens of Columbia. And uh, we'll find out uh, what John hopes to learn from the citizens of Columbia over the next course uh, of the next year. So you are listening to the Inside Columbia Show on Hot Talk 93.9, The Eagle. And welcome back to the Inside Columbia Show. Fred Perry, our guest this week is John Glasscock, city manager of Columbia. And we have been visiting about a lot of things related to the city. I hope that you had a chance to uh, uh, tune in and, and hear about some of the things happening in the city of Columbia. I want to talk now a little bit about uh, sort of uh, the level of communication that is taking place uh, between you and the constituents and the council. Uh, you're, that's one of your priorities. You're trying to enhance communication and, and get more citizen engagement. Uh, what's your strategy for doing that? Well, the the staff's got me doing a whole bunch of things. And, and so right now we're doing video blogs. You know, I'm getting you know, three or five minute video blogs to, to try to tell the staff, here's what we're doing. They're like, like February's black history month. And yeah. so we're talking about that. And we mm-hmm. had Jim Whit talking about the African-American heritage trail right. that, that's been going on. And so we're working through that vein. Uh, we're also uh, getting ready to start something about let's chat. So 
I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but they brought me in a, a a picture of myself, a caricature, and you know how that goes. So uh-huh. they want to use that as the, the, the logo, and so I had to approve that. But we're getting ready to start uh, a way to just to sit down with people and, and just to hear um, what they have to say. Yeah. When the surveys have been done in the past, uh, what is generally the level of satisfaction with city services? What, where, where do you get high praise and where do you get criticism? Everybody loves the parks and yeah. everybody loves solid waste. Yeah. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. they're, they're 80 plus percent satisfied with those two things. Well, it's free trash bags. We well, like that. Exactly. Anything free is a plus. <laughs> so, but you know, those are the two things that I would tell you that, that lead the pack. They're not so happy with street, you know, and streets is never perfect because yeah. we don't ha- always have enough money to, to fix everything. And so, you know, uh, we fix a lot of the mainline streets in that area. We don't do a lot of the cul-de-sacs. And so there's broken curbs. And so, but that's what people see. They see right out front of their house, mm-hmm. that broken curb. And we can't get to that because we're working on the main line more than we are that. Right. So that, that's the big issue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I tell you is it was police was down. I expect police to, to be bumped back up with Jeff Jones and all that. I, we're going to do a citizen survey. It should be getting the results soon. Uh, so I'm hopeful that's going to be back up to where it used to be. Yeah. You have a third party do that for you. Yeah. And uh, typically how, uh, how do they select who they're going to interview? Well, they, they do it randomly throughout the city. Okay. They try to, they try to, uh, I think they're getting like 1200 surveys, hopeful to get, you know, half or you know or, yeah. or more so yeah but we might make sure we're in every ward and we everybody's represented yeah that's interesting um is there anything about uh citizen engagement where you see opportunities for improvement i mean do you um i'm sure that you don't wish that the city council meetings would be longer uh do you wish uh, is there a way for people to uh, engage with the city and and with their elected representatives without having to come to a city council meeting is that uh something that you've ever looked at yeah, most most council have office hours i'll just say that that you can meet with them i know you know ian uh goes over to dunn coffee on saturdays carl does uh, i believe coffee zone on saturdays uh so th- i know some of them do that not all of them but you know that i've seen them uh, work late hours i mean mm-hmm. they'll be down in the lobby with meeting with folk uh, uh, all day long so yeah they they try and and they you know we really have a lot of uh, what i call um, people who want to talk to us and so we try to try to get to them yeah some of the things that are going to be happening in 2020 you'll be breaking ground on the new airport uh we had uh stacy uh button and, and mike park on uh, a couple of weeks ago to to talk about the everything happening at the airport but uh, what as a public works director who for many years had the airport under your jurisdiction uh what's what is surprising to you about the airport well the biggest thing that i've when i got the public works director job we were doing a master plan on the airport and if you went back and look at the previous one we were supposed to be at two hundred and fifty thousand employments by mm. that time wow well we were at you know a little under twenty thousand mm-hmm. at the time at the time yeah. and so when you go start a master plan i wanted to be realistic I wanted it to, to say, okay, we're going to be at about 150 in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was, I think, 2006, 2007 in there. Well, you know, you, 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 you dream big, you know, that's why I say we don't dream big enough sometimes, but we're there. Yeah. We're, we're at 130 this year. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to, you know, in 12 years or, or whatever it is, it's 10 times it's 10 times yeah and, and you know and, and mayor mcdavid at one time said he wants to capture 40 percent in our catchment area we're getting pretty close i mm-hmm. think you know we're not there yet but we're getting we're a lot closer than we were 
And so we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we've invested in it. We're going to put it in a new terminal. Uh, Mayor Treese is, you know, pushing hard to, to get this thing done, and rightly so, because we asked the citizens for money, and we're capturing that uh, uh, tax in the, in the hotel, so we need to get that done. Yeah. And so that we are going to uh, break ground somewhere around June, I believe it is, or at least get in the design phase. It's a design build, so it may not be in the groundbreaking, but we're definitely going to be started by the end of the year. Uh, building that yeah thing. the three eligible firms to to submit an rfp are all three basically local firms which i i was fairly impressed i mean i was, yeah. I was surprised by that but also impressed that uh, those dollars are going to stay local we hope so uh they've I, got some outside help yeah, i know coming they do. in they do help them. but you know and you know council's going to pick which one we negotiate with uh, it's like a public hearing and so we we are going to make sure the public's engaged in that they get to see these three plans council's going to get to see these three plans and then and then we're going to be moving forward just to, as fast as we can to get that thing built yeah um random uh questions here in our, our, our few remaining minutes here but i, I want to just throw out to, if you could wave a magic wand and fix our bus system in columbia what what would happen what would you want to do well and i've talked to the university uh quite um since I, even as public works director but you know i think if we could take our parking utility maybe in our transit utility and merge it with maybe university's parking utility mm -hmm. and and have a independent board you know you know city lets go university lets go of those entities and say okay board you run this and, yeah. and do what needs to happen yeah. to get there i think that would be the best because because then it takes the politics out of it yeah yeah uh are they willing I don't know. It's a discussion we're continuing to yeah. have. I think, you know, the university is always studying things. I think they're probably going to study it. I think we should study it. Mm -hmm. It's something I'll probably have to propose to council and see just to, does it have any support or not. It's kind of like those things I throw out about funding things. You know? Sure. You just you throw it out there, and if they don't like it, we'll try something else. But yeah. I think we're going to move forward, we're going to have to do something like that. Yeah. One of the words that uh, gets uh, uh, bantied around quite a bit in in uh, the last couple of years, and certainly it's one of the governor's uh, talking points, is about workforce development. Oh. Um, you know, we have we've created a lot of great jobs in Columbia and Boone County in, in the last uh, few years, um, but you know the number one challenge for our employers, and we've had some amazing startups like Veterans United and Columbia Safety and Equipment Share. Uh, their number one challenge is finding workers, finding people to come work for them, uh, getting convincing people to move to Columbia, Missouri. Um, when you look at workforce development as city manager, what's what's your responsibility in that regard? Well, those companies, which have been great companies um, and continue to be that, you know, our workers go to work for them. They, mm -hmm. they come to the city. And so we're kind of a training ground for them. Yeah. So I have to look to where aren't they getting their employees from? And so right now I'm looking at Columbia Public Schools, uh, uh, Mobile Area Community College. I know they have uh, uh, High School 2.0, Peter talks about a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm trying to work with him. We have always have had jobs in those types of roles, and I'll just use an electric line worker as one of them. Uh, those come out of college, or not out of college, but out no, of public schools, schools yeah. vocational schools. Mm -hmm. And then we train them in an apprentice program for four years. And they'll start making good. I mean, they make yeah. good money right in. No question. And so, if we can work with Columbia Public Schools to keep that pipeline for us, that's where I want to work and, and get those local. Um, uh, I call them kids, and they're not kids coming out of high school. Yeah. They're eighteen years old, nineteen year old, but you know, young people who actually 
are not going to college working for us and, mm-hmm. and want to stay here in Columbia. What can you do to uh, keep those five or 6,000 kids that are graduating from the University of Missouri, Columbia College, Stevens College? What could we do to get a larger percentage of those kids to stay here? Is there anything that we would need to change about our city or enhance about our city that would make it more attractive to people in their 20s? I think we just have to sell ourselves. I don't think we sell ourselves as well as we should to mm-hmm. those kids. Uh, they come out of college, you know, my son who come out of the university of Missouri and said, dad, I'm going to Austin. I said, why? Well, it's a cool town. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Columbia's pretty cool to me. <laughs> you know, I've lived here my whole life. You know, I, I like it here. This is great. Uh-huh. Now, you know, so, but you know, I think, you know, they just see it as home, you know, but if they come from St. Louis, Kansas city, you know, they don't really know what we have. They only know the university. Then they, they, they see the, the bar scene, I'll say, on the weekends or something like that. But yeah. when you grow up and, you, and you, know, you have a life here and you get married and you start having kids, this is a great place to live. Yeah. This is a great experience for anyone. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that has happened, I want to talk a little bit about, and it, it may seem very self-serving considering who the two people at the microphone, but uh, the relationship uh, that has developed between the county and the city in, in recent years. There, there really has been, I think, a significant improvement. But, but one of the things that's come out of that relationship is, is the transfer of the Boone County Fairgrounds. Uh, talk about what that means to the city from your perspective as city manager. You know, the fairgrounds for a long time was over on Clink Scales. Mm-hmm. You know, it was inside what I call the core of the city. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was there, and that's where you went to go to the fair. And I would tell you, uh, moving out to... To where it is today you know it, it's not in central city but it's i want to make it part of the city i think mm-hmm. working with the county to make sure you know the fair comes back we set aside the 20 acres or so that mm-hmm. we're doing for the fair and celebrate our ag community mm-hmm. in, in that area uh, not forget that you yeah. know because we are an urban area it's part of your roots the ag yeah, i mean you yeah. grew up in southern boone county yeah. all your family was down there and yeah, I still I, have the farm. I right? said I sit on a tractor six days a week, right. twelve hours a day. You know, <laughs> growing up, so that's work. Yeah, but 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 it's more than that. It, it's about us making sure the, the people of Columbia, the people of Boone County, have a place to celebrate their not just their history, but going forward, some place to go to to have activities such as a soccer field or yeah. such as anything like that yeah you know we we want everyone in boone county to come to columbia yeah it's it's interesting to sort of see sports tourism develop the way that it has been with uh, the appointment of the sports commission and and just you know building out some of these amenities uh, we talked last week with uh, mike and amy about the new uh, field house uh, oh, down at gans creek yeah. which is absolutely stunning you know cross country you know yeah. it, you world know, class world class yeah Disc golf, you know, we do a disc golf course, world class. Yeah. You know, people don't realize all the things that we have yeah. that we don't even talk about. Right, and that pumps a lot of money into the economy because those tournaments come to Columbia, sure. those uh, those uh, track meets and so forth come, and, and they those people spend a lot of money, and it's low impact, right? You know, revenue for right. the for the city, which is which is really nice. And so. the regional tournaments are not just you know local tournaments; it's regional in its effect. Yeah, um, we got about a minute left. Um, on a scale of one to ten, uh, what has been your level of satisfaction with with uh, this new role that you've assumed? I mean, what uh, are you? Is this something you're thriving with? I mean, I know you get up awfully early in the morning and go to work. Uh, what what what's been your general uh, take on on this new role in your life? 
Well, it's 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 been very rewarding to me. You know, I never looked to be city manager. Never, never even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go talk to a bunch of engineers at uh, over at the uh, university and say, you know, you're getting out of. Here's where I stand. I was 30 years ago. I was sitting where you where you were at. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's very rewarding to know you've had this success. Yeah, I call it success because it is to me. Yeah, and it's rewarding that I'm home. I'm in, at my home. Yeah. And and this is where I call home. I yeah. always have. And it's just fun. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Now, is there hiccups? Absolutely. Water, you know, the water fund and all that, the mm-hmm. hiccups. Happen. But you have to do it. Yep. John Glasscock, thank you very much for your time today. John Glasscock, city manager, has been our guest. It's been a pleasure to visit with you. We'll be back next weekend on the Inside Columbia Show. You're listening to Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.